0: Hey, with so many of us non-essential employees working from home, it can be so easy to get comfy on the couch and never leave it. I work from home all the time. It's like this for me all the time. But anyway, so if you need that extra motivation to kickstart your day, the Hoop Collective suggests giving five-hour energy shots a try. They're portable and they're effective at giving you what you need, which is an energized feeling to get your work done, even if you're working from home. Five-hour energy shots help you get through your day. No sugar, four calories. In a convenient, portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for a busy, hardworking person, even if you're working from home. It also comes in two new extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious, and they can take you on that tropical get-stuff-done experience. And who wouldn't like to transport themselves to the tropics right now? Try them both, and then go online to shop5hourenergy.com and use the code HOOP to receive a one-time offer of 10% off. That's H-O-O-P. Shop 5HourEnergy.com and use the code HOOP to receive one-time offer of 10% off. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. And a quick word from our friends at Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, which was created specifically for small business. So many small business owners don't think about the HR implications of running a business. And that's where Bambi comes in. With Bambi, you can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. That way you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. And guess what? Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employment day-to-day. All for just $99 a month. Month to month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help and get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash hoop right now and schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash hoop. Spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot slash hoop. And also, if you haven't heard Adrian Wojnarski's very important conversation with Andy Slavitt, I suggest you go back and listen to it, because he and Woj tell you what's fact and what's fiction in the coronavirus pandemic. He's a former head of health care for the Obama administration, so he knows what he's talking about. If you want to check it out, you can find the Woj pod wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And Brian, I just want to jump in here. By the way, this is Troy from uh, behind the scenes in Bristol. I just want to remind everyone that the Hoop Collective podcast is presented by Goodyear.
0: the hoop collective podcast we talk about the nba we try to enjoy ourselves for a little while here do our best um joining us um sheltering in place but yet still out hiking strange shelter in place um activity is kevin arnovitz in los angeles um shelter in place means that you can still do stuff right because you are you seem to still be doing stuff
1: I drive to the hiking trail. I go up the hiking trail with my partner. Nothing else happens. Okay. We go back into the car. We go back into the house.
0: Okay. I was preparing for um, what, my, uh, what my shelter in place, what my life will be like when I shelter in place.
2: And joining us from Oklahoma City is Royce Young. Hello, Royce. Hello. Not sheltering in place yet, but for uh, all intents and purposes, I am sheltering in place.
0: Me too. Me too. In Omaha, me too. And Andrew Hahn is there to, uh, guide things along. So guys, um, I woke up, uh, the other day and, um, I'd seen that LeBron did, uh, Instagram live for the first time. He, he messed around with this maybe last summer or something like that it, in my head. I can't remember where he said, Oh yeah, I'm going to go do a Q and a. And I was like, yeah, he'll never do a Q and a. And, um, And he didn't. (laughs) Um, And so he finally did. He didn't take that many questions. Most of it was him playing cards with his family and messing around and yelling at his dog. It was not the uh, greatest um, content ever. However, like 42 minutes into the 45-minute thing, he gets asked a question, and the answer was just amazing to me. Um, He said – somebody asked him about what he was thinking. They said, what was your mentality? Um, in the two thousand and twelve uh, playoff game, game six, the Eastern Conference Finals, when they went up to Boston uh, to remind you that was they were down three two they had won the first two games of that series, and then the Celtics had taken games three, four, and five, a huge game five win in miami um, and uh, Paul Pierce hit a big three in the last minute that gave uh, the boss there was a bunch of other stuff that happened after that, but that shot basically gave them the separation that they needed to win and Lebron had played his stats in the series weren 't bad, but he he hadn't he hadn't been killer uh you know he had thirty points in that game five loss, but he only made like four of his last fifteen shots or something like that or four of his last sixteen shots or something um, and so you know, it was, was big-time pressure for the Heat, you know, Kevin. You remember they were, I mean, like if they had lost that game, like they would have been two years into there, not five, not six, not seven without um, a title. And, and so, so obviously LeBron scores 45 in game six, and they win the, the finals. They win the, the series in the finals. And Kevin, uh, LeBron says when somebody asked him that question about his mentality, he said, my mentality was if we lost that game, Pat Riley was going to break the team up. And I've heard LeBron talk about maybe he said this before and I having a brain vacuum. I don't ever remember him saying that, and I just was stopped dead in my tracks thinking, man, that's what he was thinking going into that game, that this experiment was going to fail. And I know that we're talking about something that's going on eight years ago, but I couldn't help it. Very rarely do we get that type of insight from LeBron. And I I was thinking about it for hours, and I I called somebody in the Heat organization – and I talked to that person for an hour about it. Um, but when you heard that, what did you, what did you think about when the LeBron revealed that? Right,
1: so I, I thought one of three things was true. One is LeBron had it on good authority that were they to fall in the conference finals, this they would explore all options including pressing eject. Number two, LeBron earnestly thought that's what Pat Riley and company were thinking uh, he might not have had it firsthand, but it was an intuition, and LeBron is somebody who can trust his intuition fairly. Or, number three, this is LeBron James adding to a personal mythology. He would not be the first superstar ever to do that. <laughs> this is part of the self branding of superstardom. It is a wonderful little wrinkle at a time when, you know, LeBron's career is coming to an end. It's yet another little plot twist we can retroactively assign. To the amazing story that is LeBron James's career, so I think it is one of those three things. I absolutely have no idea which of the three, but that's kind of what I thought.
0: Hmm. Royce, you were heavily involved in that season. You were covering the Thunder, mm-hmm. the Heat. The Heat end up uh, beating, playing, and beating in the finals, but uh, um, you know that Heat team became sort of verified by winning that title, but right. Um, I don't know, had the Thunder won that series,
2: would know, that have... Yeah, would the same 1-0? principle apply? I, I, I assume. I would assume so. You know, Brian, I'm, trying to, I'm remembering back to that kind of period of time, and you know, I remember there was, there was some presumption going on about that, that uh, and, and my memory might be failing me. I'm, you guys lived it far more up close and personal. But I remember the speculation about the Heat kind of built up a little bit, the following season right when there it was like another thing of like if they don't want it this year they might break them up and i don't rem- remember that like really surfacing too much in that second year but uh there was there was a little bit of that conversation um but my m- main thinking goes to number one remember Le- like the first like eight minutes wasn't it like the first eight minutes of that game <laughs> like 18 points or something i just remember him hitting like turnaround bankers like over and over again it was like he was playing against like a 10 year old and he was like the 18 year old at the park and it was like i'm just gonna handle this uh on top of everybody else and then the second thing is is kind of like uh that doesn't seem like a logical play by the heat does it to say okay you're two like kevin said we're pressing eject here that just doesn't seem all that logical even though there was pressure and i, I don't know that just doesn't seem like that would have made any sense
0: well i one of the things well first off lebron had won mvp and he was he was he just had a spectacular season, his stats you know his efficiency when you looked at his efficiency it was basically the best season of his career. so it would have made no sense to have traded him. but I suppose that you could begin to think about what would have happened to chris bosch i can 't right. so the, so the thing is just a just to time and place this the heat were all those guys signed four year contracts so they they announced them as six year contracts but um they were really four year deals, but they didn't have, none of them had no trade clauses, and so they were two years into that and so if you were willing to to, to be willing to trade you know Chris Bosch or Dwayne Wade, I guess, uh, you may have been able to get a pretty good haul for for that person um, you know if, if you were going to make the move that 's probably when you would do it because if you waited another year, you would only be trading him with a year left on his contract um, but the reason I found it interesting was that like you know LeBron just sort of said this. I felt in watching it, he was being honest. I did not think it was uh, mm-hmm. contrived because, you know, he was just sort of sitting around his house and he got the, answer, he he, find, he got a question and he was just like, well, listen, let me tell you, I'll just be honest. Um, this wasn't like a, uh, something he edited together on, on, un- un- uninterrupted that he could, you know, c- so I, I found it to be, to be, um, uh, credible. But the thing was when I talked to the heat, um, they said, well, look, uh, we were focused on winning that series. We were not talking about our off season moves. Right. Had, right. Right. And right. had we lost that <laughs> game, we would have, but at the same time recognize that Pat Riley has never been afraid to trade anyone. Um, he, he traded Shaquille O'Neal after he won him a title. He, you know, there there, there came a time where he said goodbye to Alonzo morning, Now morning. Uh, got a contract with the nets and uh riley just didn't match it and you know they say trade signed and traded him up there at his request but you know it came to the point where he was like look i'm not going to pay you what the, what the nets are going to pay you i have to say goodbye to you um he said goodbye to wade um and bat is not afraid to make a big move so you know something that lebron said you know the fact that lebron would think that i mean it 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 brings a whole gigantic
2: what if moment, you know? Um, well, let me ask you guys this. What were the heat like in those games three, four and five, what was like the missing piece that they would have, let's say, let's say that they do lose game six and Pat Riley says, I'm going to break this team up. And it's more than likely, like you said, Brian, it would probably be Chris Bosh. I can't imagine that that Pat Riley would have, traded Dwayne Wade at that point maybe maybe the Wade LeBron pairing would have but what was it what was failing them in that series where he, that he would have said I need to I need to trade this for that
0: Kevin I mean by the way Kevin and I were living in Miami the reason Kevin is here Kevin and I were living in Miami covering the heat at, at that time actually you had already left Miami right
1: yeah I, I made my escape but oh, was yeah, still yeah. You, you know had <laughs> them as a if not a major a concentration
0: right you spent a lot of time did. on the yeah, yeah. um the two games in Boston, they, they had not played well in Boston ever, um, and they just didn't. They just didn't play well in Boston. And in the game that they came back and lost at home, they had the lead. Um, they had the lead for most of the game, and just as the game got down, they just they just got out executed. I mean, it was just it was a. You know, the thing I think you could say is, well, shouldn't they have been better than Boston? Shouldn't they have had the the separation to not have to execute? But, you know, Boston was obviously operating at a high level. Garnett was, uh, still pretty good. Paul Pierce was playing very well. They had Ray Allen still. His last days as a a Celtic, as it turned out. Um, Boston just did it. But by the way, like they were very low scoring games. Um, They were played at the Celtics pace. I think uh, I went back and watched uh, some of the game after LeBron um, talked about it. I think it was like sixty five, sixty five, going into the fourth quarter. So, so think about that. Yeah. Uh, wow. Compared to today's, to, compared to today's games, yeah. and so each individual possession was so magnified. They just, they just weren't executing great. I mean, oh, oh and Chris Bosh. By the way, Chris Bosh was hurt. I should yeah, point right. out this is Bosh had hurt that his was abdominal the, muscle abdu- and, abductors, or yeah, abdu- yeah, abdominal, abdominal muscle, muscle. Yes, yeah, but he, but he did come back in Game Five and came off the bench, and they still lost. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I I mean, I think there were a couple issues then. You know, looking back, this is a team for whom Joel Anthony and Udonis Haslam combined for 3,000 minutes, just about, right? So it wasn't the modern – yes, they had Shane Battier in place. Obviously, you know, Bosch's injury depleted the depth a little bit in there and lies the the Joel Anthony, Udonis Haslam. But this wasn't yet the modern uh, kind of hit-their-stride Heat. They were only ranked eighth that season in offensive efficiency. When you consider the fanfare about this team, and that's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean that yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think anybody who had expectations, they would be a lot better. Um, they were, you know, a pretty good defensive team, but um, you know, they weren't. There were spacing issues at the time. There was there was a lot of rigor mortis that season. Um, and you know, even Shane, I think. Didn't really hit the stride in, in, until later, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that was that that was largely it. Um, you know, they they just weren't a great offensive team for whatever reason. Uh, they just there wasn't spacing, there wasn't rhythm, there wasn't flow. A lot of nights. Now they just beat less talented teams, but it wasn't. They weren't a juggernaut.
2: But they unlocked a lot of that in the finals. Yes, is, w- was where they kind of went more all in, Kevin. And you know, they did play Bosch at the five, Batty a at the four. And that's when Scott Brooks was so stubborn with Kendrick Perkins. And, you know, uh, I, I think that there's quite a few people in the Thunder organization, former players, that look back uh, with quite a bit of uh, angst and regret over Kendrick Perkins' starting minutes in that series because of what the Heat uh, did with their adjustments.
0: Well, the when Bosch – so what happened was Bosch uh, came back in game five, um, didn't play that well, came off the bench. I can't remember if he started game six. Um But in Game Seven, the Heat's game plan was to put Bosh in the corner, and I can't remember if he hit three or four threes in that game. But he hit a number of three pointers, and this was before Chris Bosh had proven to be such a dynamic corner three-point shooter. He had he had made a couple of it was the, it was like the, seat, the Heat's go-to play when they needed a three-pointer. They would stick Bosh way out at the wing. And, um, nobody would guard him out there. And they ran the, they ran plays for him at the end of games. And he like hit a couple of them. And so we knew he could shoot from out there, but it had not been a major part of their offense. And he had a couple, but what happened in that game six was, and David Fisdale told me this story, uh, this year. So, um, they're down three, two, um, they're, they're frustrated. They don't know what they're going to get out of Bosch. And they go into their coaches meeting, um, when they're getting ready to practice before game six, before flying up to Boston. And um, one of their assistant coaches, their video coordinator, Dan Craig, who is, uh, who is now Derek Spolstra's lead assistant, and my expectation is that he will get a chance to be a head coach someday. Um, well, he and Chris Quinn are sort of the lead assistants. And uh, he had put together an edit that of uh, video clips that showed how LeBron had dominated uh, that season in the mid and high post against the Celtics. they you know Or maybe a couple other games. I don't remember the exact thing that Fisdale told me, but it was a part of their offense that they didn't go to that much. But Dan Craig felt like, you know, maybe we should go to it a little more. And he was trying to sell the coaching staff on looking at it. So he put together this highlight package um, and convinced Eric Spolster and the coaching staff to put it in the game plan. So the game plan for that, game going into game six you said you remember him just hitting all these turnarounds right Well, that's because Mm -hmm. they kept giving it to him um in the mid post and you know at the elbow um and uh he was turning around and you know paul pierce was was challenging the shot he was just getting terrific lift and he was just on point with them and uh after lebron hit like three um Pierce started having to play him even tighter and he got Pierce to bite on a couple of shot fakes. Next thing you know Pierce has 3 fouls. And uh Pierce has to sit and then they go to Michael Pietras Um and then like Rondo, they had they their like their emergency guy to guard him was Rondo and he just was scoring on them. And I think he made 10 of his first 11 shots and he scored uh, 30 in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> what, the heat, on, what and were it, the heat up by at halftime? I don't, you know, Boston made it, you know, uh, I, I, they maintained a lead in, in the, in the teens until the fourth quarter and then Doc waved the white flag and then they pushed yeah. it out over 20. The heat or the, uh, the Celtics threw a r- couple of runs at him to like cut the lead from like right. you know 18 down to 11 or 17 down to 10 or something like they they never got so far away
2: that it was yeah that like, game I felt guess. over after the first 12 minutes I remember watching it just thinking this thing is so over like it just felt over
3: Brian uh, I'm well, gonna give you a couple of stat updates from that game LeBron played updates. 45 updates. Retroactive yeah. updates for the podcast. He didn't, he
0: didn't leave the, he didn't leave the floor for the, for the first three quarters. He played the first three quarters straight.
3: 45 <laughs> minutes for LeBron, 19 of 26, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 45 points. Chris Bosch did come off the bench. 28 yeah. minutes. He was 3 of 8 and he hit 3 of 4 three pointers in game 7.
0: 3 of 4. It felt like he hit, like I, the reaction was like he hit like 7. But, like, it was so rare for Bosch to have be that much of a three-point shooter. that um, And they just came at big times, too. Uh, but I think, you know, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but once the Heat won that one game six, it was like, well, they're winning the series. Uh, even though Boston had beaten them their last time down there, it was like, okay, they've got it.
1: Right, um, it was one of those. I remember the, there was this Hawks Celtics series and I believe 87 or 88 where the Hawks won game 5 at Boston and it was like sort of the greatest achievement in the history of Atlanta sports they could close out the series game 6 at home um and the Celtics won and Larry Bird had said it right there in that thing they like, they had their chance like like they were they needed to win it tonight we're going to go we we have won the series and it is felt like that. When you, you get the 3-2 advantage on the, on the favored team's court and you come back and you don't close out, that is it is one of the just greatest emotional tolls you take.
0: Yeah. Uh, although,
1: although that will- game was tied – Brian, that game was tied going into the fourth in game seven.
0: You're speaking to a longtime Hawks fan here. That's That's what. Like, we can feel the anguish in
1: your voice. Oh there. god,
0: yeah. it, 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 it's uh, still
1: present. It, but you know that game seven, that 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 Heat Celtics game, that that was a tie game going into the fourth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bosch hit maybe two threes in the fourth. Um, I hit some big threes. I, Batty a two.
1: Batty had four three pointers in that game.
0: Okay, yeah. I, what I remember is before the game. I was um, and I never did this back then. I definitely don 't do it now, but I never did this. It was not something I normally did, but I took a photo of Bosch warming up, and I tweeted it. I mean, I never do that, and it was Bosch shooting threes from the corner uh, and so he was out there practicing for what the game plan was, and at the end of pit he must hit all three from the corner because I remember I remember that um, The other thing was it reminded me uh, their first year together, the Heat's first year, they played the Pacers in the second round. And the Pacers um, stole a game in Miami and then won game three to go up 2-1. And there was two days off between games three and four, as you see sometimes in the first two rounds. And uh, we at ESPN had a collective... Uh, freak out. You know, it was every half hour on the half hour, I was doing reports from the, uh, the empty atrium at, uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, then <laughs> called Conseco Fieldhouse. Uh, and I remember that the heat canceled practice and that, like, made the bottom line on ESPN. Heat canceled practice. Um, I've, I've told this story before, but, uh, that night of the off, so on the off day, Dwayne Wade goes to see Tom Crean and it's like, The karate kid getting Mr. Miyagi's hands on him and Wade breaks out of a slump. Uh, Kareem was at Indiana, and then that night, um, the team went as a group. Not everybody was at the same showing, but they went to several different showings of uh, the dictator, um, the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen vehicle. And um, it was in the it was like Indiana on like a Wednesday night in downtown, and we went to this movie theater. And there was like five heat players and three heat beat writers in the theater and Bob McAdoo. And that was it. And (laughs) LeBron was sitting like maybe, I don't know, maybe five rows in front of us. And he was falling out of his chair, laughing at it. And I'm pretty sure like they started some team inside jokes about it. And like it helped crack the, i know this this sounds preposterous but i'm telling you it helped crack the pressure that the heat were feeling was going to see the dictator and so anyway in game four uh lebron scores 40 and wade scores 30 and they were doing this salute that uh sasha baron cohen's character did in the movie throughout the whole thing it's like their little inside joke and um it was like a reminder in that moment. Oh yes, that's right. The Heat are actually great. They actually yeah. have great players, and that's what happened in that Boston series. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. The, uh, yeah. the Heat actually do have the uh, in his prime MVP. Um, but so the, so afterwards, the Heat basically they went six and one the rest of the season to win the final. The one right. loss, they lost game one in uh, in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember much about that game,
2: Royce. It was a close game. It was um, nothing overly remarkable about it. It was just kind of a close game that went down to the finish. Uh, and I don't. It was probably a two possession game, something like that. I think Thunder might have won by four or six or something. But you know, just a thought, Brian. You know, you you're talking about the reminder that the Heat were great. I vividly remember. I believe the Thunder had punched their ticket to the. F- yeah, they did because they won in six games over the uh, over the Spurs, and it was kind of the uh, the inverse of what LeBron did. The spur the Thunder won an emotional game five. In San Antonio, James Harden hit a huge three to seal the game, and it was like they need to win game six at home. It was like they were – that was like the presumed win. If they had lost at at home to the Spurs, they would have been in that situation now going on the road again. So, But they got it done, and I remember a lot of people having this conversation of like who would the Thunder rather get? Like do they want this like the big three Celtics that are like the tried and true uh, heart of the champion group? or do they want the heat and there were some people thinking that they want the heat oh lebron's going to choke again right like lebron he's he's not built and every and and the people that that were paying attention were like no you don 't the heat are good, like the heat at their best, they have the best player in the world, like the talent level of that te- team, if the thunder want to want the best chance to win a title, they want the celtics even even against like the youth versus experience factor so uh, I, I remember that conversation happening locally in Oklahoma City a lot of who, do, who would they rather have and it was so blatantly obvious that they would have rather had the celtics and again, like you said, heat won the series in five games, so I think that that proved to be true.
0: Right. And Kevin, like had let's let's go down this path. Let's say the Heat had lost to the Celtics. Uh and no matter what LeBron did in game six, he would have well, he it would have hit him on the shoulders. Um like what what could they have done? I mean, they, they ended up signing Ray Allen and then the next year had I in my opinion the best team LeBron's ever been on.
1: Right. Uh, I think so. So when LeBron says we would have been, it would have been a breakup. I mean, and you mentioned it earlier, I think what that probably means is they trade their third best player, Chris Bosch. Now he's coming off an injury, but he has two years left on a guaranteed deal, which frankly is quite reasonable unless you're someone who believes that his stock had dropped. Um, he hadn't really found new Bosch yet. Uh, and, and, but I think this breakup, maybe LeBron's not wrong. It would have been, you know, eject, but eject would have been, hey, we, we trade Bosch for, you know some equivalent parts and and that is the the, the so-called eject or, or breakup but I mean I I mean those guys had reasonable contracts that's what was so fun- interesting because they all took less so mm-hmm. I mean moving Bosch probably we'd have to go back and look at what the dynamics were in, in, in the market then but I, I don't think it would have been a a a huge shock nor would it have been an onerous thing to do um, it would have ultimately been a mistake because Bosch played in beautifully in, in the next season and kind of reinvented his game. And I think in some ways became the fulcrum of that team going forward.
0: Well, the, one thing I, yeah, the one thing I will say is that uh, I will agree with you that there is a little bit of myth-making because so the other thing LeBron said this week was that, he was that he felt what would happen to his legacy if he had mm-hmm. lost. Now, it's important to remember that he had not won. And his last two years in Cleveland, even though I think that their record was a little bit inflated to the team they actually were um, because I, you know, the Lakers won both titles. I do not think that the Lakers, the, that the Cavs would have played the Lakers. Um, I'm sorry. would have beaten the Lakers, but in, in 2009 and 2010, the Cavs and LeBron had the number one overall seed. And um this was the sad part, you know. Kobe and LeBron played in what was it eleven consecutive finals or something like that, and never played each other. Um, uh, and this was in, LeBron has talked about this that his greatest uh, mistake was was uh, giving it up and not getting there in, in two thousand
2: and nine. The Magic Series, uh, yeah, gosh, yeah, that drives me crazy. LeBron's elbow,
0: <laughs> uh, elbow was two thousand ten. Oh, those two thousand. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my nap. But LeBron had one of the greatest series in the history of losing teams in uh, in, the, in the loss to the Magic. Uh, you couldn't have blamed that one on him. Uh, 2010, he had a couple of bad games, and the, you know the mysterious elbow, what have you. Um, but 2011, he was terrible in the finals. So, you know, if 2012, if they lose, I mean, he's looking at four years in a row uh, where he was either favored or on the number one overall seed and couldn't get it done. And three of those years wouldn't even have made the finals. So he says that he was thinking about his legacy. Now, if you would have asked him in a press conference, like if they had, you know, if on the off day between game five and six of, uh, of that series in 2012, and they were down three, two and getting ready to go to Boston for game six, if you would ask LeBron or if I had asked LeBron the question, Hey, are you worried about your legacy? He would have, bitten your head off uh but he admits here that he was thinking about it and uh you know it's you know when when you've never won before it's it was a real thing it was something you know and, and one of the things he was dealing with at that time was that he couldn't handle pressure i mean this is one of the things that i've i've said is that you know lebron's performance in playoff games from 2012 to 2018 we didn't get in 19 we didn't get him in the playoffs in 19 he basically didn't have a bad game a bad playoff game Mm -hmm. um he, there was uh, a few dozen where he was absolutely unbelievably great, and there was a handful where he was the highest level ever, the games ever seen. Um, but he never had a bad game. But back in those days, back in two thousand eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like there was some variance as to what you might get from him in a playoff game, and there was you know nobody was sure what he was going to show up that night in Boston, and that is why. Because of all that, I believe that that performance, that forty-five point performance, is his greatest ever game.
2: Uh, it's probably his um, most important ever. Would you? Could you say? I mean, for sure on that, right? I mean, I guess it's apples and oranges. However, you want to define greatest or most important. But there was that I mean,
1: game against Detroit. But
2: yeah, the, the stakes were weren't or there, or right? Was it
0: Twenty-eight points or something. So I have, uh, I have the said the stakes this, weren't there. So yeah. so I, this is a semi-controversial thing. I've said this over the last year. I no longer believe that is one of his top I – believe, I, I believe I could almost get it to, like, number eight or number nine, but I will refrain from saying that. But I will say it's not one of his top five all-time performances, um, and I say that as somebody who got literal goosebumps um, in being in the building that night watching him do that. Um, but it was the first time he had done it. It was his announcement that he was actually going to be as great as so many people suspected he could be. And, and it has this this stat that is amazing, which is 29 out of 30. He scored 29 of the team's last 30 points, which is an incredible stat. But And I'm, I'm not putting that down at all. I just think that he's had so many incredible games.
1: So, so Brian, um, you'll be interested in this. Uh, I just pulled up best... They're, they're sort of an advanced best game score. So a game score is sort of this formula. And the top three LeBron James game scores for playoff games ever are game one uh, against Orlando in that series that he went 49, eight assists, three blocks, six rebounds, going 20 for 30. Um, that but see, was this is, but a see that's that was but a see, loss. that right
0: there is a reason why game score can't be used. Right. No, no, of course. It can never play. be game one. But, right. yeah, go ahead.
1: Game three against Atlanta in the conference finals, which I saw and was just absolutely just. Like, just he scored
0: 50 was, something with these. questions. Yeah, 50, right? he
1: had in that game. He had no, he went 47, 12 okay. and 8, 15 for 25, hit five three pointers. Um, and then the third best is game six of 2016 which was the down 3-2 uh that was this is game six in 16 so well
0: i would argue that games five six and seven of 16 yeah all three of those more impressive than his 2007 uh performance going going 29 to 30 uh that would be a glove drop i'm gonna fight you with some lebron fans who would disagree <laughs> with me um but i will tell you that one of the the And Kevin, as long as you've got his stats up in front of you, please look up game seven. This is, you know, two all time forgotten LeBron games, okay? Both of them game sevens, if you can believe that. Um, I think the all time overlooked LeBron game, game seven of the 2013 finals. I I, I equate this to Bill Buckner. Um, History remembers the 1986 world series which is an all-time classic world series people think about that the that the series ended when buckner when the ball went through buckner's legs and many people will tell you i've talked to people about this they will say well after the red sox suffered that loss there was no way they were winning game seven um blah 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 and many people remember the game six Ray Allen's shot as the defining moment of the 2013 finals. And absolutely it was. It's one of the greatest shots in NBA history um, without question. And when they think of that series, they think of that shot. And I say, unfortunately, uh, Ray Knight, who was the MVP of the 86 World Series, doesn't get remembered for his incredible Game 7. And LeBron doesn't get credited for how great he was in Game 7. Kevin, do you have that box score
1: Yes, I do. Thirty-seven points, twelve rebounds, four assists, twelve for twenty-three, five of ten from three. Perfect at the line. Um, only two turnovers. Wow, and I mean his usage was just insane. Uh,
0: um, actually, yeah. his usage was
1: only twenty-nine, so it wasn't
0: insane. Um, but so the was- Spurs, the Spurs had, had gone to their game plan of backing off of him, and um, he, that was the night that the idea LeBron couldn't shoot died, and. Um, I would.
1: I think that's. What, I remember that being the symbolic that that this notion that you could you could give something up to LeBron, the notion that he had weaknesses in his game, and that an advanced defense like San Antonio, which is strategic in its thinking and very precise in its execution, that if you give him this mid range, if you deke him into this or that, he still he has vulnerabilities in his game. That's exactly what I remember too. Which is okay, so it put so, to rest that.
0: Okay, let me ask you this: Royce Young, off
2: the top of your head. Don't have to mm-hmm. don't think about too much. The biggest shot of LeBron's career was. Oh, my gosh. the big. I mean, I, I honestly – I was at that Game 7, and I remember he hit an elbow jumper that was the dagger to win that series late in the fourth quarter. I don't remember exactly time and place in that, but I, that one sticks out to me. Am I wrong about that one? Kevin?
1: Let me think about this for a second. I mean, God, I, I, I think the three-pointer – Game seven, 2016 in Golden State. I mean, I think that they had been – no, they hadn't been trailing the whole time, but I just remember it being, you know, he has – he hits those three free throws, right, to get get them within one. I mean, it's still like five minutes left, but I just remember that three-pointer saying, they're going to win this. They're going to win. They're going to win this in Oakland. And I just Andrew. remember that game uh, that, it was about five minutes left. It was a long three pointer and it put them up uh I think they had been trailing
0: and it put them up i don't I don't recall that i don't i, I studied that fourth quarter chapter and verse. I don't recall that shot, so I don't know if, if I'm wrong or you're wrong, but Andrew Hahn, do you have an opinion on this uh
3: i, I did
1: do that not. shot
0: exist Andrew? Can we get the research up
3: i'll I'll start researching <laughs> that since I have no opinion on this.
0: I have to the biggest shot that LeBron's hit in in his career in my opinion was uh in the final seconds of game seven of the two thousand as Royce just said uh, and I don't think he gets credit for this uh maybe I'm wrong, maybe he does get credit, and I just don't hear it, but uh, it's a two point game mm-hmm. uh the uh it's inside twenty four seconds and lebron hits a in my mind it was an elbow In my mind it was i like
2: think yeah yeah it was, pr- it was probably a couple steps inside the three-point line like yeah, right, in, I it was mind, like right wing maybe yeah in my mind it was like 20 feet
0: and uh he hits it with maybe two on the clock to give the heat a two possession yeah. lead with less than 24 seconds left um and it's the biggest shot of, in my mind, still to this day, the biggest shot of his career. And I, so I mean, I, I just put fourth game seven of twenty thirteen finals. I put fourth game six of the uh, of the two thousand twelve uh, Eastern Conference Finals. I put fourth games five, six, and seven of the two thousand sixteen finals. In my mind, those are top five right there. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten into some of the other finals, incredible finals games that he's had. Um, that to me, uh, I, I think it pushes the game in Detroit to, I'm not ready to say outside top 10, but I think it pushes it back. Um, I remember I mentioned this to Dave McMenamin, and McMenamin um, uh, went for my throat, uh, f- uh, figuratively, um, because the game in Detroit, was it really was amazing. And if you ever go back, you know, it's on NBA TV periodically, and one of the things that you see about it is how bad the basketball was. Um, you know, there was no floor spacing. The paint was totally packed, um, and you know just how different the game was. Yeah, LeBron hit uh, some
2: wild shots in that. You he know, did. They were they were some crazy shots. Know, one did. of the things, one of the things I was going to say, Brian. You know, as you talking about that, uh, the Ray Allen transition from Game Six to Seven, and again, I was at Game Seven, and I remember it very vividly. And I remember Tim Duncan had a remarkable first half, and it was kind of like Tim Duncan was like, "I'm putting this team on my back." We just had this soul crushing loss in Game Six, but the you know LeBron won his first title and, and put that to bed the year before against the Thunder. But it was in five games. It was against a young team, and the, he just kind of overwhelmed them by the end. But LeBron seriously put to bed the like the clutch narrative on him in my mind in that in that Game Seven. And and while I do think it's kind of interesting, LeBron doesn't have like a bunch of maybe I'm wrong. You guys know better than me, but he doesn't have like this like. Library of iconic shots where you just pull one up after another where it's like this iconic shot. But like that one in Game Seven stands out to me for sure. And it wasn't just one. I I, I remember him hitting a number of them. Like well, he did. His fourth he, quarter was clutch. It wasn't yeah, just that he, one shot. And there was all jump shots. The, the Spurs yeah. backed off of him, and he had big jump shot after big jump shot. Uh, and also, people forget that Game Seven was close. Everybody just assumes that the Heat rolled it, but like Spurs had a great chance. Oh my chance god! To uh, Tim
0: Duncan missed a
2: two-foot leg. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That
0: would have changed everything. And I, I I'll bet to. The, I mean, slapped Duncan the floor. I remember he slapped the floor after he missed it. Oh, wow. He like grabbed his head. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the other thing is he hit a big three. You know, the Heat were down. Were they down five? And he hit a big three. To get them from five to two. Now he had he had bricked the shot before it and the heat got the offensive rebound, but then he hit the three to take the lead from five mm-hmm. to two. Um and then I can't remember if it was it Kawhi or Both Ginob- Kawhi missed a free throw and Ginobili missed a free throw. I can't remember who missed which ones, but um
2: you Ginobili know, missed the last one, I I yeah i think.
0: Um and the thing about it is, you know, nobody will ever will ever attach, you know a black mark to Ginobili on that because he had already proven he was a, ch- a great champion. Right. Um, but that's and a, once
2: again, Chris Bosh's tipped rebound is what set up for that one, by the way. <laughs> well, I, but, but people
0: remember that Bosh got the rebound and kicked it out. But, you know, I did um, a forensic w- story mm-hmm. on the last, I think it was 23.8 seconds or whatever. That the heat came from five down in less than 24 seconds to, to do it. Um, or maybe, it was six down, whatever it was um, the rebound after LeBron bricks the three um, there's two spurs in my mind it was like Fabricio Alberto was one of them but maybe my memory is wrong but there were two spurs uh, and there's a friendly fire rebound after LeBron bricks it and they both put their hands up for it I think Ginobili and Oberto, maybe in my head but don't hold me to that and they both reach for the rebound. And I've watched the damn thing frame by frame. And I can't tell. I still I could not tell how the hell neither one of them came up with it. Um, it, was like a, it was like a thing where their, their hands hit the ball in such a way that you would think it would – 99 out of 100, one of the two of them comes down with that. 99 out of 10. 99 out of 100. And that, that gets an offensive rebound and LeBron gets another shot at it. That was a clutch shot. Mm -hmm. If he misses that shot. shot. Um, But again, that gets forgotten not to downplay Ray Allen at all, because Ray's shot is, is, is just as iconic, but, um, and LeBron missed the three, right? That Bosch rebounded. Right. Um, So he had missed a shot there. So I'm not, you know, looking to head it his way, but he did hit some incredible shots in those, in those couple of games. But, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't. I, I wasn't. I didn't come here ready to make the case to push that Detroit game back. But I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like this 2012 game is is at the top, is number one, and I'm inclined to say that Game Seven 2013 is number two. That's pretty spicy. Um, I mean, it's Game Seven of a Finals. Yeah, yeah. I'm not disagreeing because, <laughs> because Game Seven. I, I remember that
2: one very fondly too.
0: Game 7 in 2016, he played well, and he had the iconic moment of the block shot. Brian. But that game, yes.
3: I have just come back from the replay center in Secaucus. Yes. Uh, the 2016 finals, Game 7, Kevin Arnovitz is vindicated. At mm. 4.53 left in the fourth quarter, LeBron James makes a three-pointer from 26 feet, to give the Cavs an 89 87 wow. lead. But not only that, just, uh, okay, I just forgot it. Just, just 30 seconds it. earlier, Festus Azili had fouled LeBron and he made that. I remember, free of breaks. course. So the Cavs, yes, in about a 30 second span, went from down four to up two.
0: Well, you've just poked at the one, the black mark on Steve Kerr's coaching career, which was playing Festus Azili in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, but Kevin, I, much apologies. I don't. Oh no, no, I, no. Yeah. By, by
1: the way, I, I, I defer to you on all things encyclopedic and LeBron. Um, I just like I just remember no one else scored. I think that was like the. I, I feel like Andrew, were there like five points scored in that game after that moment? Well, the final score was ninety three eighty nine, and that made it what eighty nine eighty seven. Andrew, it made it eighty nine eighty seven. Cavs. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, that was the. Cr- that was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen, along with the 2010
2: Game 7. The tension of those final three minutes was like <laughs> yeah. pouring out in a way that I, I don't know if I've ever, I can remember a game with that much tension in the final three minutes. So I don't know how you – I mean um, – so LeBron game was, said, The Game 7 had the most iconic moment of LeBron's career, I would say, against, yes. uh, against the Warriors, but I don't know that it was certainly not the best game of his career. I, I advocate – I have advocated for
0: when they build his statue That's in Cleveland – that the statue should be of the block shot, um, or blocking Wadala. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might and, be his biggest play,
1: Ryan. And again, I, I, def- I defer to you on all these things. I,
0: so, I okay. Just... So how do you, so, okay. So it's his biggest play, but that, but I don't think it was his, one of his best two, because his, his, nobody performance, had game. Right. That's true. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you, I mean, I'm repl- I'm judging two game sevens. I'm judging the, I'm judging two game sevens of the finals. Um, uh, you know, I, I'll if you want to put one, two, and one, three, go ahead. I, 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 won't, <laughs> I, but I mean, he scored forty in game five in a closeout game on the road, and he that scored one's forty. That so
1: overlooked. In, that one's yeah, so that overlooked. that, that wasn't. I mean, I, yeah, that was the Draymond missing
0: game, right? Right. I know, but he still had to score oh, the. No, 40. I'm not. I'm not. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm not, no, no, not <laughs> discounting it. I just I'm trying um, to remember what. Game and then was. he came back and scored forty in game six. I think in Game Seven he had twenty-seven. You know, he he had a bunch of turnovers. He was not a clean performance by him. Um, can we
1: say that this was the greatest week, individual week, in NBA history?
0: Uh, I mean, I I don't have enough so uh, Monday,
1: Thursday, Sunday of 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 that.
0: Pretty damn good week.
2: Yeah,
3: uh, Brian. Can I just go back to one thing? Can I soapbox for like a quick twenty seconds here? Because you had mentioned yes. earlier that you thought. LeBron's performance in Boston was one of the greatest things you'd seen, and you'd mentioned that he was the MVP of that season. It's really annoying how we don't have the regular season awards announced during the postseason because that adds that extra layer of drama that we don't have anymore. It's like
2: so he, with that.
3: Yeah, that's just wanted to say that. You're so well
0: right the the NBA. Look, that was a money grab. Right, they they did a money grab to put these. Um, I mean, look, I work for a broadcast partner. I'm not I'm not t- taking a tollier than now, but they they um, they tried to create a, a new television product that they could sell, which they did to Turner,
2: and um, that's what they did. So, yeah, but I the made, the award is less meaningful now, in my opinion, because of it. I think it's less meaningful. Well, I guess the cel- celebration of the, yes. of the season in that moment is less, far less meaningful. It's, it's I mean, less like, exciting. I, you know, I, I think very much about the Durant MVP, and when he won that, it was like up against the heels of – of they were uh, down in their series against Memphis, and like he just had this like you know uh, wonderful moment, and it was almost completely ruined <laughs> by by the Thunder's performance. In the postseason, and like the tension that that adds, and the like the drama that that can add to a postseason is is fantastic.
0: Well, I will say that you know those those press conferences used to be at three o'clock in the afternoon, like on a Tuesday, and now they're in prime time on national television. Um, but yet, there's been nothing from the Harden or Giannis to, to me that compares to you, the real MVP.
3: Yeah. You no. know,
0: so um, I don't know. I don't anticipate changing anytime soon. But, uh, and Royce, people still in Oklahoma City still think Durant got fouled in game two. Of <laughs> he
2: did get fouled. If, there, if the last two-minute report did exist, it would show that LeBron hit him across the arm, right, as he was taking a baseline jumper. I think they were down two. And he would have gone to the free throw line and, and maybe forced overtime. Yeah, and they could have gone up 2-0. Would have gone um, up 2-0? or could have gone up 2-0. And if I remember right in that game too, the Thunder, like the Heat led maybe like 14 to nothing after the first six minutes or five minutes. The Thunder were completely tight coming out. It's like they realized, oh my goodness, we're up 1-0 in the finals. <laughs> it was like they, like, like they collectively realized that. And then, you know, games three and four in Miami were exceedingly close. Like game four was the great Westbrook performance where he just played his absolute heart out in it. I think he, he scored 43 or something like that in that game. Um and then game five was the Mike Miller, uh Shane Battier, Martin Chalmers just barrage. Uh,
0: uh Miller's hitting threes with no with yeah. no shoe. He's missing a shoe. Um I remember them trying to have Harden guard LeBron in the post
2: and um Harden was completely overmatched. Uh um, yeah, they just they just the Thunder just never they they realized it far too late what kind of matchup disadvantage they were putting themselves in because they had the small ball lineup to combat the heat with Serge Ibaka playing the five and Duran at the four. I mean, they had that group. Uh, they just never really went to it. All right. Well, this was a walk down memory lane.
0: Mm-hmm. So I hope
2: it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I always like thinking of great LeBron games.
0: It's almost, uh, it's
3: almost like you wrote a book on LeBron, Brian, with how knowledgeable <laughs> you are.
2: Um.
0: I'm a flagrant, uh, flagrant foul though on me for getting that LeBron three. I mean, I asked for the great, one of the great shots in, in LeBron's career. Kevin delivers. Uh, but mine a, a was a product camera. of
1: recency bias. Like I, I just, for whatever reason, I have trouble. Reme- I, it's like my hard drive gets erased, like every like four years, and <laughs> I have to it, like it, it's on some it's on some flash drive somewhere. Like I could probably <laughs> tap it. Um, I don't know if it's a function of early middle age, but I just, like, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, I even as you were talking, I know I know these games. I know I've written about these games. I know I've attended these games. But my catalog just is slower. It's like micro I
0: don't know. I, I think I'm in the same. Like, I have no recollection about anything from game one of the 2012
2: finals, as I said to Royce. And... Um, I don't really, yeah. it was kind of an unremarkable game. I remember the Yeah, but it was kind of I yeah, just closed. remember
1: Royce writing my sort of. column the next my next day column at Elemental Coffee on Hudson Street in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. No, and this I was like Kevin
2: remembers, yeah, cuz
1: I had to write the column. I didn't I, I didn't like my hotel room. I just I needed remember to be out. I got
2: a black coffee with a
1: <laughs> No, no, But what I do remember Royce is I was heartened to see that the people who work the coffee bar at the snobbiest place in Oklahoma City for coffee are every bit as just unpleasant as people in Manhattan or Los Angeles. <laughs> like, I think a, i Oklahoma's asked for cream and they
0: like, yeah.
1: like, <laughs> like, we don't have cream. Um, cream. It's a single that, batch coffee or whatever they call it.
0: We call that hipster service yeah. where yeah. I'm from. Hipster service. I, will, I hope you enjoyed this walk down memory lane. Who knows? I had no idea that we were going to do this podcast on this, but I just felt like doing it and it's my podcast. It's all do what I want until Andrew Hahn tells me differently. Uh, Oh, by the way, do we have a new phone number for the um, hotline? Uh, Yeah,
3: we have an Uh, official, uh, official phone number for it. If, if you want to go look for it
0: or just call Andrew at home, he's there. (laughs) Andrew Hahn, uh, three one
3: Oh, yeah, you can stop right there.
0: (laughs) All right, I'm looking for the hotline number. I I should have had this ready.
3: It's a it's an Omaha number.
0: Um, Oh yeah, well I don't have an Omaha phone number, so call whatever Omaha number you want. Um, I can't find the the number, Kevin. I mean Kevin, Andrew.
3: Okay. The Hoop Collective hotline number. If you want to leave questions for Brian, Kevin Arnovich. Hold on a minute.
0: Hold on a minute. I just want to point something out. We gave a hotline number last week. For various reasons, that hotline number didn't function. So I, some of you, I know, called that number and left us left us something on the hotline. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. So this is the new hotline number, and I apologize to ask you to do this, but if, if you need to go back, don't assume that we got anything from last week. This one will work. Okay, go right. ahead. Amy. Yes,
3: yeah. Um, 402-316-2955. <laughs> The number again?
0: Four no, zero- it's not four zero two. What is it? Four zero two is an Omaha number.
3: That's the that's the number. That's what I'm saying. This is the number.
2: <laughs> you got an number. <laughs> it Omaha... actually is an Omaha it's number. That's an Omaha did number. You're getting? Did, did you really I get did? an Omaha number? I
0: got number. an Omaha number. And you didn't even get
3: like the five three one, you got the real one. Yeah. Four
0: zero <laughs> All right. <laughs> I definitely did not know this when I saw the new number. Yes, okay. go ahead.
3: Four zero two. Three one six. Two nine five five, and if we don't get your message this time, then we we're just gonna say that we lost it again. I
0: don't even know how you got an Omaha number. All right, thank thank you for listening. To the, I have just been surprised on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Try to have a good week.